This is Sports Best, presented by Reposted on the Reposted Podcast Network. Coming at you like a waiter with the check when he forgot to most of your order, but still wants that sweet, sweet, sweet tip. He is Larry, 23% Olsen. I am, let's just run, Andrew. Larry, what point in your life do you start like bringing your kids in when you're paying the bill and be like, this is how we tip. This is how we tip. I don't know if that's really taught. I feel like I typically don't involve them in the tipping process, but I'm always skeptical of the waiters and waitresses who don't write anything down when they're taking my order. I'm like, there's no way you're going to remember that. And I would say 75% of the time they do. Yeah, we were in Boise this weekend, and uh, every single waiter didn't write anything down. They were always right. There's no benefit to that. It's not like I'm going to tip you more because you remembered it. My sister w- went to a Sadie Hawkins dance and didn't know anything about tipping and got chased out by the waiter because she left such a small tip because she had no frame of reference. I do believe one of the things that I have come out of the pandemic is I definitely tip better because I've thought, even when I'm doing the takeout, I'm like, these guys still work even during the pandemic. God bless you. Here's a little something extra from Uncle Lair. <laughs> Thanks, Uncle, Uncle Lair. Lair. Yep. Uh, in case you're not paying attention, Mr. Keller, the uh, Olympics are smack dab in the middle of undergoing. I'm sure you guys did a big opening ceremony celebration last week on the Big Re- uh, Sports Best podcast. Here is the lead story. All you need to know, U.S. gymnastics superstar Simone Biles, the reigning Olympic champ, pulled out of the team finals after apparently suffering an injury during her first vault. The 24-year-old, considered to be the greatest gymnast of all time, huddled with a trainer after landing her vault. She then exited the competition and did not come back. Some are speculating, not this guy, that her withdrawal may have had something to do with some mental health concerns. Without Biles, the Americans lost out on a third straight Olympic title, falling to the Russian Olympic Committee, different, by the way, than the Russians. And Mark, the first time in 11 years, the U.S. found itself looking outside, up at the scoreboard, at someone else in women's gymnastics. I know this has crushed your soul, Mr. Kelly. I was watching this live, and they cut straight to Carrie Strug and Bella Caroli, and they're like, I don't see what the problem is. Do another vault, you're going to win. <laughs> so... That's interesting. I mean, it's this high drama that because ever because Simone Biles, I think I can't think of anyone else has been the face for us go face for the United States Olympic team going in. And for the most part, like you have someone going in and they, they deliver like Michael Phelps, maybe Dan and Dave was they tried to make that the face going in that didn't pan out. But yeah, she's kind of like we don't we're everyone's kind of scrambling now. But the U.S. women's team still got second, so I mean that's our epic failure to get to get silver. But um, yeah, I, I I don't know where you. What do you think about her? Do you think she needs to? Do you think she needs to come back and prove anything? Well, here's the thing: I've been watching the uh, so-called experts, and they're saying there was just so much pressure on her. She was the face of the U.S. American team, blah blah blah. But here's the deal: like if you win and you come back. There's going to be pressure on you, like Michael Jordan or any great athlete. If you win once, they want you to do it again. So if she didn't want the pressure, maybe she just goes out on top and wins one time and leaves. I mean, I feel like the the toothpaste is out of the tube. She she could have not come to the Olympics and come out on top. If she doesn't do – if she, like, completely withdraws, that's, like, kind of an always – anytime she's going to see some meet someone five years from now and be like, hey – what was that about? Like, if you go out on your terms, I feel like at this point, it's not going out on her terms. I mean, 
I'm no gymnast. I couldn't do it, but like you're in the mix and you're, you're fair game for speculation and criticism. And I think that's where she's at right now. I don't believe that. I believe you're a gymnast. Lastly. Um, so she's got this problem with her foot or something or mental. She still has the end all around individual competition. We don't know if she's going to compete in that. Also, she uh, qualified for four different events. So we still don't know if she's going to like wrap it up for good or compete at some of the other uh, gymnastic events. I think she'll show up. And if she, oh. if she doesn't perform, then maybe she'll pull out of the remaining ones, but you can't do that your entire life. And I mean, she's had pressure for so long, but yeah. that's, that's for maybe we'll see how it goes. We'll talk about another program. <laughs> we have a, a lot of first medals for different company for different companies and countries. It's been kind of fun to watch. Lydia Jacoby of the United States. She's a 17-year-old from Alaska. She won the 100-meter breaststroke in pretty dramatic fashion. She was not the favorite. She uh, she came back and won, and it was pretty great. She's the first Olympian from Alaska to win a gold. Her parents were there. They cut to her parents, and I was like, what are her parents doing there? There was problems about breastfeeding mothers bringing their babies why her i don't know why her parents were able to come to that if uh, that's what we're doing but lydia jacoby great on her um flora duffy wins the first ever uh olympic gold for the country of bermuda she won that in the triathlon which was pretty great she's a cu boulder alumni with a degree in sociology oh, look at her look at her and then uh russia who we touched on in the gymnastics final uh, last discussion but they edged out breaking the U.S. men's 100-meter backstroke gold streak. We've been winning gold in that event since 96, and we ended up losing to Clement Koloskanov and Evgen Rolov. They, uh, the men's favorite to win this, Ryan Murphy, got bronze. So good on Russia. What's harder to believe that no person from Alaska has ever won a gold medal in the pool or that someone from Bermuda had never won a gold medal? I think the Alaska and the pool, just because the U.S. put such a high uh, yeah. value on that. The Bermuda thing, like they were talking about it in the event that B Bermuda just doesn't have the money to put behind Olympic programs. This woman, Flora, did it mainly on her own, her own training and her own grip. I don't know if this was the last time we talked. No, it wasn't. But like watching the sports without fans, me as a spectator, I feel like I'm more emotionally involved when these people uh, win. I think it's more exciting and I get drawn in a little bit more, which surprised me. Hmm. Well, the Olympic coverage continues here on Sports Best. The U.S. women settling for silver in softball. They lost the championship game 2-0 to Japan. U.S. entered the game undefeated. They actually beat Japan in the opening round or the opening rounds, the last Olympic softball competition in 2008, the U S lost three, one in the gold medal match to Japan today in the same day, the same opponent, same score differential. Japan's winning pitcher was 39 year old Yukiko Yoena, also the victor in the 2008 game. I don't know a lot, but I feel like we should be running away with the softball women's softball. Doesn't it seem like we should be winning that? It seems like that. Also to point out that the U.S. had 38-year-old uh, pitcher on the mound, Texan Cat Osterman, who this was a rematch of the 2008 gold medal game. Both pitchers were pitching then. Um, 
I, I feel like we should. I, I was more kind of impressed with, I'm kind of, I like looking at sports in the Olympics and being like, who can compete in this as an old person? And apparently maybe 38 is not old anymore, but it, it used to be ancient for any kind of high level sport. And I feel like softball could fall under that. I was watching skeet shooting. There was a guy that was 57 <laughs> who got the bronze and skeet shooting. So there's hope for both of us. I like you're rooting for old people at the Olympics. I, I could get behind that. It's a mental thing because I was like, well, if I wanted to go to the Olympics, I still could. <laughs> well, continuing on firsts, uh, weightlifter from the Philippines, Polina Girvana. Girvana. Anyway, oh, that's a Turkish Turkmenistan. 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 Oh, sorry. Yeah. Hildina Diaz is from the Philippines. Polina is from Turkmenistan. She got silver, Central Asia's uh, first medal in history. So good on that. The, the thing I actually watched was Hildelina, I'm bad with names, Diaz, <laughs> got the first Olympic gold medal for the Philippines in weightlifting. And it was, what I found interesting, I watched this with Nicole, was how stoic her competitor from China was. Like China was predicted to sweep all of these weightlifting events and get eight golds and this was their one hiccup uh lao uh uh was stoic the whole time and i love the picture of them on the podium it's bronze and gold being very happy and china lao being very very stoic she says i really respect diaz as an opponent she did the best she could in fact better than that and that is the ultimate so I, she was, oh, I felt bad for her. I, I find it hard to believe the Philippines have never won a gold medal. That just seems crazy. Second of all, I feel like someone was punking me that there is a country called Turkmenistan. I thought that's, there's no way that's a country. You never heard of Turkmenistan? No. I don't know where it is, but I've heard of it. Well, Central Asia, I've heard of it before. You're, I mean, these, these uh, powerlifting... I don't think the U.S. puts much behind powerlifting. Maybe our, our guys shame. go for more strongman competitions. I don't know. That's a shame. Well, uh, not as many people are watching. Primetime coverage from Friday to Sunday averaged almost 16 million viewers on NBC's platform of outlets like NBCOlympics.com and the NBC Sports Update. 16 million watched this year, last year, or last time the Olympics, 2016, almost 28 million a sizable drop expected, as you know, because, well, people have dropped their cable and the satellite bundles, so we're streaming. So it's hard to kind of decide how many people are actually watching. The NBC Sports Digital set a record for streaming views on Saturday. Almost 650,000 viewers in primetime streamed the Olympics. Here's the deal. Not as many people are watching the Olympics, but NBC still killed everybody else in the ratings over the weekend. They beat ABC, CBS everyone else. So we're not watching like we used to watch, but everybody seems to be watching the Olympics. Does that make yeah. sense? Uh, yeah, we have to, we have to recalibrate what we think a lot of people watching is like 22 and tennis used to be old Federer's 39. So like, we just think differently. And as you said, people are watching online. I don't have cable. I, uh, I downloaded the Peacock app onto my TV. It, it wasn't great. I didn't watch anything on there. Like YouTube, NBC's YouTube, there can like I watched that weightlifting final of the Philippines versus China in five minutes. They like cut like I don't have to watch all the 
hype up and it was very entertaining and i guess maybe i'm part of the millennial problem where i just want everything now and i don't want the long drawn out thing but yeah we can't really wrap our heads around how many people are watching because it's a scattered good for you i'm proud of you, you got the cock good job getting the cock you don't have it yet oh i got i got the cock oh you got it a while ago oh yeah, yeah i've had it for a bit that's nice well <laughs> We've uh, fully exhausted all of our Tokyo 2020 coverage for this episode, and we're going to move into something I'm excited about is Aaron Rodgers. Apparently, according to Adam Scheffner, he is going to play this year. They've come to an agreement. It has not been announced, but basically he's going to play this year. His 2023 contract would be voided with no tags allowed in the future. So basically, if he wants to leave Green Bay after the season, they're saying go with God and you can move on. So that's interesting. And then I've just heard Adam Scheffner come up a lot recently. Why is he the go-to person that everyone talks to? Like, I've, what, can't, can't someone else break a story? How does he have unfiltered access to everyone and no one else breaks any NFL stories but Adam Scheffner? Everybody loves Shefty, bro. That's why. He's got his pulse on the NFL, dude. Shefty, believe it. Maybe they're paying into Maybe he's on the payroll, or maybe the NFL is on the payroll of ESPN. I don't know. It's just it's strange to me that no other NFL story gets broken except by Scheffner. Can I just say you really explained that story well? Because I didn't understand. All I heard was Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back. Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back. Aaron Rodgers isn't coming back. And now he's coming back. I'm like wondering what changed. It's the fact that they basically said, if you just play this year with us, then next year you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And shout out to Aaron Rodgers for not publicly saying anything this entire time. Because now he can go and he can play in Green Bay this season if this all pans out and he won't be hated by the fans. Like if he was going, hey, I don't want to do this, then uh, maybe it wouldn't be as, as nice. But I think he played this very diplomatic, diplomatically and uh, good on him. As you know, I was rooting for him to retire and go on and host Jeopardy. Apparently that won't be the case, except for maybe another year. Hell, he still might. He still might. This season. Still. NBA draft coming up Thursday. I know you're very excited, Andrew. Mm. Uh the projected top overall pick is this guy named Cade Cunningham. He's out of the Big 12 Player of the Year. He's out of Oklahoma State. He's the consensus All-American. It looks like he'll go number one. He signed a deal with Nike before the draft. He's going to be wearing their player-exclusive editions of the GT Cut, GT Run, GT Jump. This is why I love this story. He also has endorsement deals in line with the plant-based food energy drink, cryptocurrency, trading cards. Like this guy's agent is a workhorse lining up all these deals for Kate Cunningham, who I've really never even heard of. I'm guessing no, but have you heard of the photo sharing app Silos? Because they are also going to give him an endorsement. <laughs> okay. I wonder if there's going to be a point like, will Oklahoma State have, I don't know. I feel like the, is there going to be weird back being sponsored after you graduate by your college to help boost that up i don't know that seems like something that might happen do you use silos should i be using that uh, well i mean it's the next big thing because Kate is to be on it okay yeah okay. the next big thing is our segment if we have time we'll be announcing later this week the intentions to join two powerhouse programs wanting to incorporate with the s <laughs> Is that a mix? You mix it there. Oh, I can't take it anymore. I can't take it. Well, I mean, the 
news broke, everyone knows this, but they have formally announced on Monday, Texas and Oklahoma, their intentions not to renew their deal with the Big 12 that expires on June 30th, 2025. Basically, they're saying we want to go to the SEC because the NCAA is dead and we're going to move <laughs> on to that. Um, there's also a possibility that they pull out before 25 and uh, pay a 75 to $80 million penalty or the Big 12 just dissolves and they can do whatever they want. The uh, I think the landscape of college football over the next five years is going to be just pandemonium. And um, some people, some like mid-market schools are going to be left not really having a home. I, I don't think Colorado is going to be part of these bigger discussions on super conferences, which makes me a little bit sad. But uh, I like watching what's happening. This is exciting to me. You know, my advice is always to pull out, Andrew. That's my advice to everybody. Pull out. Um, did you guys not talk about this last week? We did. And I, okay. I, I said that the NCAA is going to go away. It's the SEC is going to start sucking up different. There's going to be 40 or 50 teams, and that's going to be the new NCAA or the new BCS or whatever you're going to call it. And uh, people are going to kind of go their own way. There's already talk of like uh, UCLA, USC, Stanford, Oregon joining this power conference, and then like other guys joining with the Big Ten. And the big question is, favored to win the national championship next year, Notre Dame, where are they going to land on this? Notre Dame's always favored to win. Stay independent, big boy. I was in Tahoe last week. My brother was there. He's a major sports fan. He hits me on the beach. He's like, did you hear the news? Texas and Oklahoma. He just like, like a ghost head hit him. He's like, yeah. he just couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, this has been sports best We'll see you later this week. Don't forget to tip your waiters. I'm Andrew Larry. Thanks for stopping by.